Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. Today, our guest is Buff from Moonshine Leatherworks, where we talk about his custom hunting gear. Christy finishes the shop, Dean waxes some bags, and Austin thinks The Walking Dead got weird. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Hey, hey, how we doing? Hey, Christy. Good. So what have we been up to, Austin? And I've been doing a little bit of every, like this week, I've just been zinging all over the place. <laughs> I had sounds um, like a personal problem. Yeah. You know, I'm off my meds. Um, no, <laughs> it, uh, so I did, uh, some blacksmithing this week with, uh, Nick and Steve, my, the two guys that kind of helped me with at high caliber camp, we were working on there, mm-hmm. getting their tomahawks. Cause they're not gonna have time during camp, um, to be able to leave right. there kind of like stations or whatever. So we wanted to get theirs done so they can compete in the tomahawk throw. Um, that's, you know, critical. They have Absolutely. to be able to compete. I got to be idly important. I have to be able to beat every single person so I can talk smack. <laughs> so I need everybody to participate. Oh um, Lord, here we go. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Hey man, I've been trying not to practice cause I don't want it to be too unfair. You know, I don't want to be like a sh- sharpshooter out there. Um, <laughs> so then I also started lining the new Mr. Volcano forge. Hmm. Um, that uh-huh. wasn't like, I'm doing the rigidizer now. I got to wait for that to go. And then I'm going to you know, do the, uh, Satanite or whatever it's called. I can't remember. It's like refractory cement. I think right. it's called Satanite. Yeah. I um, know. That's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, welding and hammers, uh, handles onto some hammers. I that made a, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that little jig came out. Cool. I was like, like so anything that happens cool right here is my dad i was like dad come up with a jig so i can weld these things <laughs> and i'm like you go do that because i was i was making um i was making these riser blocks for this woodpeckers um slab flattening mill yeah is what they call it oh yeah you were looking at that yeah so my day. buddy he has one of those huge wood miser it's like 26 foot long um bandsaw mill bandsaw mills i guess they're called uh-huh like where you cut trees like full-on trees Oh, right, right, right. Chainsaw yeah, mills. Like a bandsaw mill. Yeah. So he, right. he cuts a t- and he has like the, um, a, a giant kiln that they put all these things in it. I think he said he can fit like five trees in there at one time. Wow. Yeah. It's gigantic. So he's running like a full operation, but so they have a, um, the bandsaw mill and then they dry it. And then his big thing that he's making right now is uh, fireplace mantles. And for the woodpeckers slab flattening mill, they couldn't get enough clearance to get a five inch mantle in there. So oh. he had me machine uh, aluminum blocks. Basically I like, after I finished, I'm like, this is just like a hillbilly way to lift a pickup truck. Like you just yeah. machine these blocks and put it on. Yeah. You know? like, I feel like I'm making a lift kit, you know? Um, so he picked that up today. So I like, I literally have been, and then I made pens too all week. So to this week has been really all over the place. So is your holiday orders kicking in already? Yeah, I can. I've, I've noticed the trend ticking up. I am. I, I looked at my website today. I'm out of stock of almost everything, which I didn't realize because oh. I've been so um, focused on high caliber camp. Right. You know, and that's what happens is like I, I'm I can get a lot of work done, but I'm like a juggernaut. Like I can only go in one direction. I, I can't. I'm not a multitasker. So it's very difficult for me to manage everything in my life at once. So like 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know that strikes you guys as odd. Like it that doesn't seem like me, me at all, right? Amazing. I just yeah. never would have guessed that. <laughs> so I uh I looked at it today and I was like, oh man, next week I need to like really buckle down and just do pins all week long. But yeah, I'm sure something will come up and I'm gonna have to do something different. But I'm telling myself next week is pins. Do you track like um I know you hate accounting, book work and everything financial related, but do you track like, you know, last August, you had this many sales last September, you had this many sales to kind of be able to see any kind of trends or anything like that. No. Gosh, no, I'm not interested. That hurts my heart a little bit. Just, no, it's just depressing. Right like the, my sales, these last couple few years since COVID have right. sucked in, in oh, comparison. Means, yeah. So like, well, I'm just curious. To, yeah. People are like, economy. how much, you know, how much you sell? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to look at it. Like, it's just depressing. <laughs> you think just people are using pins less? Well, I think right now, a lot of people are putting a lot of their extra money in their gas tank. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and gas not tank, only gas grocery. tank, their belly. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. food is, everything's through the roof. Yeah. Um. So I think, I think the first thing that people cut is kind of, expendable Pins. income stuff you know it's it's gifts they they cut back on that they you know you don't need a 50 dollars pen you know they're cool but you don't have to have it to live so you know that's just kind of the way it, and then on in the good years i do great so it's not it's not i'm not crying a river here but right. uh so people please buy my pens <laughs> <laughs> what about you christy what have you been up to uh let's see this past week we got the big move done we hauled out one of the storage units. So we're down to one storage unit and it's very, there's not very much that's in there that's shop related. So that was just a wonderfully surreal feeling. It was just it very like. was so quick. Like you went from, you know, barrel yeah. to not, nothing to everything. It, it, it surprised me how fast you were able to, like, it looks like a shop already. It, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. It, yeah, it just was, it's, it's just kind of in mind boggling. It's almost like I'm standing there and I'm like, this is really real. Like for reals, reals now, you know? Right. And, um, and then we moved, you know, put the furniture in various places. And then I did finish the rolling, uh, the rolling cart for my tools, rolling tool cart that man, that has just been the handiest thing, especially because everything is still kind of in limbo as far as where do I have space to put things. Right. And, um, but man, to have, all of the screws on one wall and mobile, whether I'm working in one area of the shop or a different area of the shop, all of my tools in one area. I really um, like that's the mobile. construction you did for that too, using the uh, piano dollies from Harbor Freight yeah. and then putting a base between the two. I mean, it, it made already you have, you know, you're halfway there. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty ingenious little cheat code. Yeah, it, it really, uh, that platform worked great. And I mean, I use OSB, which, you know, it's, it's not going to win any beauty contests, but it's functional. It's um, it's solid. And I figure over time, if I figure out, okay, I really would rather have this layout or this kind of structure, then I can always just take that top part off. The bottom, the piano dolly part is, is it's not glued to the, like the eye structure have. Um, so I can kind of make adjustments later on if I really want to. The way you describe OSB is the same way my wife describes me. Not going to win any beauty contests, but solid and functional. <laughs> yeah. And someone was like, I think it's got to weigh 875 pounds. I'm like, well, I, I mean, what else was I going to, 
plywood right. is heavy too. Yeah, you know? it's all heavy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all you know. It's all heavy. But uh, and then I added that little top on. Um, so it's kind of nice to be able to put pen, paper, pencils, you know, whatever I'm working with right now on the top there. Uh, Cause then it's not cluttering up my table saw table or my, you know, my workstation where I'm trying to, you know, whether we're, you know, staining stuff or cutting stuff or whatever. It's just, it's just become very, very handy, especially since it's so mobile. Yeah. I saw you did some, you, did you do the first part of French cleats? Not to say you, and then you're going to work on the second part later. Man, I'm taking Dean's advice and I'm not using all of my ammunition tonight, man. We got to talk about French cleats. Back it back. Back it back. (laughs) We got a CNC to talk about next week and then French cleats two weeks from now. Yeah. (laughs) I learned that when I first started working, I was so much faster than my coworkers and we all got paid the same. So I'm like, why am I going so much faster for the same money? So I would just bust ass Monday, Tuesday, and then I would file reports and then when i'd get to a day where i didn't feel like doing anything i got all these reports filed i'm like up oh, here's what i did today these three <laughs> there, there we go. go that's the pro tip pro tip <laughs> so dane what have you been up to waxing baby waxing i uh, i'm uh, excited to talk to our guest tonight brazilian or yeah <laughs> i was gonna say landing <laughs> you seem kind of like a hairy man but okay i uh <laughs> i waxed all the canvas bags this week and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun and it was easy and the end results are awesome. That so it's great. Yeah. It was, I was so I was smooth. so worried. For, like, oh, when yeah. you were talking about that, I was like, oh my God, yes. it's gonna destroy these things. Like I was they did look out. great. I, I was, was worried, worried. I was worried it was gonna take a half an hour per bag and yeah. times oh. you know, 25 bags or 30 bags, you know, another full weekend of just monotony. But yeah. Friday night. So I stamped all the bags during the week and I was a little disappointed. I was most excited for the black bags with the gold paint and the gold just didn't transfer over that well. Oh, right. Um, but the, the gold and brown khaki bags with the black ink, those look great. But yes. I, I think it had more to do with this. When I waxed the bags, the gold and the khaki fabric was three times the price of the black fabric. And the gold and the khaki fabric took the wax much better, took the ink much oh. better. So I don't know if it was necessarily the the color and the ink as much as it was the the material, the cotton that the bags were made out of. So the black bags mm. were the original stuff I had bought, and it was about $6 a yard. And the gold and the khaki was what I had to go buy when I cut everything the wrong size. And those were $16 a yard. Whoa. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. yeah, it was a big oh, difference fabric in price. Oh, is not cheap. And yeah, I had to do it because I, I didn't have time to wait. I mean, there was a whole ordeal. I don't remember how much I got into, but I ordered that stuff and it just never, I never even got like shipping updates. And then one day it just shows up and I was like, I don't have three weeks to wait because ideally I'd like to mail these to you in the next week. As soon as I find a box big enough, so I don't have to fly with them. But yeah, so it was, uh, I came out here Friday and I was like, well, let me do one and see how long it takes. And I actually did five in an hour. And I was like, well, that was five, not knowing what I'm doing. So as I get yeah. it figured out more and more, it should go faster and faster. And actually, uh, I made a. I, my wife has these Instapots that she cooked in one time, never wanted I to hate. use them again. Yeah, she didn't like them. So I, I have them back here because I'm like, I can do something, something. And finally, the something showed up. I made a double boiler. Uh, I used the pot that comes in it, filled that with water. And then I went to the grocery store and bought a $2 cheap dog bowl that fit inside of it put my wax in there and it made a double boiler and it actually had a decent uh, seal. 
because I, I was worried I was going to get a lot of steam coming out and it was going to get hot and didn't really have any fluid coming out. It wasn't boiling to that effect. Uh, it just kind of maintained that warming temperature. And uh, I did a paraffin and beeswax two to one ratio only because I had a lot more paraffin wax than I had beeswax. Cut it up with a, a chisel, dumped it in there, let it heat up for 10 minutes. I judged uh, an instructables contest while I was waiting for it to warm up and then uh, and then got to town. And it, it ended up taking me about five or six minutes per bag to wax. And then uh, I'd wax it with a like put the wax on with a brush and then go to another part uh, where because I didn't want to plug the heat gun into the same outlet that I was using the double boiler in. Mm, so I'd go yeah. into another wall with it on another breaker use the heat gun to melt the wax in and then just let them sit overnight. And the next day I came, picked up the first bag on top and it's like a brick. I mean, it's just stiff and it's got a good crease lines in it. And then I had a buddy, a buddy over Monday night, we polished them and tried to remove as much bulk dried wax as we could. And I got them folded up, ready to go. I just, I thought I had a box big enough. I don't have a box big enough to ship, but once I get that, they'll be yeah. on their way to Virginia. That looks, that looks awesome, great. Yeah. Tonight, we're joined with Buff from Moonshine Leatherworks. How's it going, man? Good. How are y'all? Great. I'm good. Great. So we wanted to have you on and kind of talk about your process, your, your making, and kind of a little bit about what you do. So if you can, maybe just give us an idea, like a quick rundown of what you are, what you do. Okay. Um, my name is Brian Absher. I go by Buffy is one of my nicknames, my main nickname. I do leather work. Uh, do a lot of stuff that's uh, specific to hunting. It's uh, turkey hunting in particular, which is a very niche thing, but it works. Try to do things that are original, but then ha have my style and spin on it and have been doing leather work professionally for three years. Uh, oh, wow. started, started it after I retired, in quotes. Started leather working as a hobby, probably 2006, seven was in and still am into watches, Panerai watches in particular. And so I wanted the straps that everybody has and I'm Man. a big dude. And so a regular strap doesn't fit me. Uh, so oh. I, I was like, well, I'll make my own strap. So started that way, was on the forums, would post, say, just made this, just made, made this, made this. And it segued into, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And so a lot of it was, um, I like the challenge of doing something different and, uh, that's kind of continues on today. So I do have a lot of styles and stock items, I guess you could say, but everything is, uh, handmade one at a time, uh, made to order. That's the way I like to operate. So let's just get, let's just get it in the clear right now. Uh, the main reason we have you on is because we've been following your page for a while and Christy doesn't believe you make any of this stuff because we never <laughs> see <laughs> any progress. From hey, those. I, I posted two reels in the past two days. Yes, uh, I noticed that. Those yes. were the first two that I've ever done. I think I think those are the first two I've ever done. So, yes, I actually do do that. So, Guilty. Dean's doing it to be funny, but. The way when she said it, she's like, "Does he actually even make this stuff? It looks so professional." Yeah, I it can't does. Believe, yeah, so that's really so you should take it as a compliment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I do, yeah. I do, and I appreciate it. And I and it's it's uh, it's always flattering when people, especially other makers, they go, "Wow, that's cool," or you know, "That's 
that's really nice looking. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I made it in my shop. You know, I came up, I came up with the design. I, you know, it's, there's not a lot of chivalry and leather work. So there's only so many ways you can make a pocket or, or, you know, pouch or do something some way, but I always try to put my spin on it, you know, and, and, and try to make it mine, you know? So let's, let's take it from right there. Let's go. What, when you're starting a project, what's like your basic philosophy of like, here's how we're going to bring this project to fruition, like from the ground, let's bring it in. A lot of, a lot of the things that, that, uh, that uh, I will start are because somebody has requested something, um, you know, I, I, I'll make something, post it and uh, somebody will say, Hey, that's cool. Could, can you do a, you know, whatever. Uh, have you ever done one of these or whatever? And and sometimes I'll just legit say, no, I have not. And I don't care to. Uh, if you would like the best one that I know of, here's this person. Why don't you contact right, them? Cool. If I wanted one and wasn't able to make one myself, I would t- I would call this person. Even if I was able to make one, if I wanted a badass one, I would contact this person. But uh, some of the things, you know, uh, interest me and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I think I could do that. Or, or you know, I, 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 I know y'all do the same thing. You know, I, I might think about something every day for a year and right. it's, it's just, I'm not, I don't have time to do it. I don't have time to do it. And then finally, you just sit down and you do it and you're mad at yourself because it took you a year. No to do time. It. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, shit, that was easy. I, I should have done that. Long. I could have been making these for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I, I think I, that's a common thing. Yeah. And I, I, I kick my own butt a lot of times on things like that. But, uh, you know, like I, I, it's unfortunate that the, the stuff that I make, people use it. They use it hard. You know, a lot of a lot of hunters, a, a lot of hardworking people, you know, like mm-hmm. I've made some uh, fellers rigs like for guys that cut trees. Right. Mm-hmm. And and they've got their, you know, their sheaths with their with their um, it's a suspender rig with a belt and it's got uh, axe sheath in it and wedge sheaths and file sheaths and stuff. And th- those dudes are going to beat their equipment up and it's very yeah. flattering when you've made something rig for a guy like that and he comes back and says, this thing's great. So that that's all I could ask for and some money. <laughs> <laughs> that's the important part. <laughs> so, so when you're starting a new project, you go, do you make a pattern first or, or are you kind of just like laying it out directly on the leather or what's your, what's your go-to? I usually will, will make a pattern. Uh, because you, you're always going to find something, you're going to tweak it. You're going to do a little bit better, kind of, you know, like uh, uh, maybe like a tomahawk sheath or something. I knew you, you were know. coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> you're, all, you're always going to have to. You're going to have to tweak it a little bit. And so uh, it's nice to have that to go back to, to to reference. You know, I've got you know tons of notes all over the place on, you know. Uh, Fix this, do that, whatever. Um, but uh, uh, some things I will do, I would, I will lay out and do on a pattern. You know, maybe like a cardboard template or something. Some things I'll, I will, I will design on my laser, on the software on my laser light burner. Oh, okay, and uh, manipulate it that way. So, I mean, I can legit go from. 
drawing something out on a piece of paper to laying something out in CAD, you know? So it's just, I don't know. It just depends on what it is and how intricate it needs to be. You know, that's the cool thing about doing the laser. It's, it's perfect. Right. So that's um, laser cut things. Uh, cutting, cutting leather on a laser is not my favorite thing to do. It's pretty stinky and uh, yeah. probably not good for us to be smelling it or ingesting it. But uh, uh, to engrave something or whatever, it's, it's a pretty handy tool to have. And I'm glad I've got one. Right. So when you're, I know with a le- with a leather, you have to be very careful about what types you can laser mm-hmm. when you're choosing um, your project materials. H- how do you, how do you have that in your, like, how do you plan that out? Well, for, as far as my materials go, um, I I like to use top shelf leather. It, it, um, uh, as makers, um, we all know the 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 better your material is, the better your final product is. Now, there's top shelf, and then there's ultra expensive. So you know, like um, Japanese horse hide stuff like that. You know, that's crazy expensive, and it has its place, but. I don't need to use shell cordovan for everything I use, but um, uh, the materials that I use make a huge difference on, like I said, the, the end result. And um, I just, that's, that's my plan. You know, somebody doesn't come to me and say, I want aniline dyed, you know, Japanese horse hide, or it has to be horween. You know, sometimes people will come to you with that. And they really don't know what they're talking about. They just have heard some 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 uh, lingo spit out on on Instagram right. or whatever, and so they're I don't know, just trying to help, I guess. But yeah, uh, coming in talking like a jive turkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, which is not bad. I mean, I'm glad everybody gets the opportunity to learn and and understand things. I mean, you know, like I said, I want people to appreciate the stuff that I make for them and I want them to use it. And I want them to know, you know, I like, um, you know, people will come and say, uh, how do I care for this? Like, don't beat the shit out of it. You know, that's what it's made for. You know, I mean, you know, don't go throw it in a mud hole or whatever, but if you do, if you do land in a mud hole, just wash it off, you know, you don't have to baby any of it. So, right. Yeah. You're building very rugged and you're, you're using a leather. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's some kind of pull up like looking leather. Uh, yeah yeah like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that i make is is a uh, chrome tan uh oil and wax pull up um the wax gives it the the, the pull up and it has like a a worn look already right. and uh, um mm-hmm. uh, that seems to, that's probably my most popular option um but a lot of the things like uh, uh like my personal use stuff i like to use just uh like um just natural veg tan and just let it do its thing you know right. just let it let it wear in and like the patina that stuff picks up to me is 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 great like pocket worn things you know uh selvage denim stuff like that you know i would rather start out with a pair of new raw denim pants instead of being cool and having them already distressed or whatever and just let let it wear or Dean, I know you're a sneaker guy, you know, crease them. You know, it's funny. I was going to wait for my turn to bring up the sneakers, but um, yeah, I, I look down and I see the crease on the toe and I don't care. Cause they're mine. I paid for I them. I'm going to do what yeah. I want. 
yeah, again, I'm not going to abuse them, but I'm going to use them. So that's that's the way I like them for my stuff to be. Um, it's flattering that people want to care for it, you know, or the, they 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 have this thought, you know, like, oh, well, this this is going to last me forever. What do I need to care for it? And it's like, just use it. You know, if it breaks, I'll fix it. <laughs> I always tell people if one of my belts break, you have a bigger problem than a broken belt because your ass is laying somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, um, I'm afflicted with that problem right now. <laughs> well, look, Buff, you know, Austin kind of touched on some of the products that you made. But one thing that I see when I go over your page is you're all over. You know, you do yeah. belts, you do wallets, mm-hmm. you do a lot of hunting stuff. If you had to distill it down, what do you think is your primary product type? And what's it like? also venturing off into maybe the unknown every now and then is it chaotic or is it cathartic to be able to do other things i i enjoy it i think it's cathartic uh because you get a change of scenery you know like um uh, i'd say my most prolific item is is is, uh my shoulder pad gunslings what i call it Sell, sell sell a ton of them and um yeah. i'm tickled that i do you know and i, I hope that i mean i sell i sell multiple gunslings to to the same people you know so yeah. they're outfitting multiple rigs with them uh so that's probably my the, the most made thing but even though i make a lot of those there's a million options in how i make them you know each one of them not each one of them but you know a lot a, a lot of them are personalized so you know like if i made Christy one, hers would be hers, you know, Dean yours would be yours and Austin's would be his. Um, but it is fun to go away from that. Like um, here lately in the shop, I'll have a, I refer to it as sling day. So I'll make, I'll make like <laughs> 10 slings. And then uh, like today was belt day. So yeah. I made, made like 10 belts. Funny you have sling day and I have sling blade day where I just eat French fried taters all day. <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you just make sure to check that it has some gas in it. That's right. <laughs> I liked how you talked about the turkey hunting and it, it seems like, you know, you do a lot of belts and you do a quality belt, but you have a, a large line of hunting inspired mm-hmm. products. And you can tell that you do that because you like to hunt. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, I'm I'm blessed to have uh, some good friends here local that are grand national champion turkey callers. And uh, that that makes that that narrows the odds quite a bit for for <laughs> us. <laughs> and um, but it, it is it is fun to, to get out and, and enjoy the outdoors with people that you enjoy to be around. So I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that. And um you know, over the years and doing all that stuff, you know, you get ideas about, I wonder, you know, how, like, uh, turkey calls in particular. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's, uh, a lot of, a lot of people build like really, really ornate, nice, expensive box calls, uh, trumpet calls, tube calls, slate calls, you know, there's, there's a million different varieties of turkey calls, but, you know, like it's not uncommon to have a $400 box call and, right. and, and have two or three of them in your vest or on your person. So, 
why not have a nice sheath to put that box call in, you know, to protect it, to, to, to keep it from rattling in the woods and, you know, things like that. So um, over the years, you know, at, being involved in, in hunting and, and with all the industry, you know, you just start asking people like, how would you carry this? Or does this make sense to do it this way? And you get a lot of feedback that way. And so you get some, you know, user testing. So that's, that's always nice. I notice on a lot of your hunting stuff, you mix in camo fabric as well as the leather and it's two materials that play well together. What would you call that? that camouflage fabric what the, the inserts that i use is cordura uh it's i think it's 500 denier cordura um uh waterproof it's got a coating on it and uh i, I don't work for mossy oak but all i use is mossy oak stuff uh, i i've always yeah. been a mossy oak guy and um uh have a relationship with the hayes family that owns mossy oak and uh have made some of their personal gear for them. So that's flattering as well. That's cool. Um, uh, these so, past few issues of uh, Turkey Hunter magazine have a, the back cover is a picture of the Hayes family with their grandpa. And he's got a turkey vest on that I made the shoulder straps for. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. So most people don't, don't, well, for one, don't give a shit or don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, like you'd be surprised how many people did notice and have mm -hmm. came, you know, sent me messages and called me and stuff. It's like those those strap that looks like your shoulder pad design. Did you did you make that vest for Fox or, you know, that's that's their grandpa's name. So that's that's cool and flattering as well. That's cool. So you didn't always work with Cordova. How did that come into play with the leather and, and what's the interaction of those different materials meant for maybe your cost and your products? Uh, well, uh, uh, I, I think you got a dose of the, 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 the canvas. It's really not that cheap. Um, no, it's not. The, the wax canvas that I use is Martexan. It comes from a mill um, at New Hampshire. So I'm probably screwing all that up. But uh, anyway, it's pretty expensive. Like, like I could probably get some types of leather cheaper square foot than I can that wax canvas. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, Cordura is not really that expensive. And I, I did that mainly as the styling exercise for, you know, I just had the idea. It's like, well, what color is a redneck's favorite color? Camouflage. Camouflage. So why not use the Gucci of camouflage and uh, the OG bottom land or the, uh, or the new bottom land or green leaf or whatever that Mossy Oak makes. And, it's been well received. Do you ever have customers that come and say, man, but if you only had that in I do. You know, brown yeah. duck. Right. Yeah, I do. I have that often, you know, it's like, can you do this in tree bark? Can you do that? And I can, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I don't work for them and it's, I'm not, I'm not bound to them in any fashion. It's just, just what I've always used and what I like to do. So I usually, I usually say no, sometimes I don't, um, like I've got some uh, a different type of camo a guy sent me that he wants me to make something out of and it's cryptic so I'm going to use it so all right buffalo so let's kind of walk over into the tools you know the process the actual making um you know as far as the cutting and the stitching and and that kind of thing so what's your what's your go to for those areas um I, I started out like most hobbyists would doing everything by hand and uh 
have uh, transitioned. Um, I still do a lot of stuff by um, hand stitched. Uh, like if I do if I do a alligator wallet or, or an elephant hide wallet or something like that, something that's pretty expensive. Yes. Yeah. I do the I hand stitch those because that that makes me feel like I'm adding some value into the to the product, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know. But like a like a stitched belt, you know, most people are not going to appreciate me sitting down no. and stitch stitching a belt. <laughs> you know, right? They may appreciate it, but they wouldn't want to to pay the price. So that's where a sewing machine comes in handy, and I've got three sewing machines now, and and they all serve a different purpose. And uh, then you have, you know, specialized, you know, splitters and skivers and you can do all this stuff by hand, but it it makes it so much easier when you can mechanize and have a have a reliable machine to do some things for you as well. Uh, die cut mm-hmm. stuff. I, I, I used to cut everything by hand. Um, now, now, if it's something that's uh, uh, um that's repetitious to the point where I'm like, I'm, I've done this by hand too much. I will switch over and have a die cut for it. You get okay. a cleaner finished product in the end. I, I struggled with that a bit because it made me feel like I was taken away from the handmade piece of it. Um, my son, who's 13, even called me out on that. He's like, dad, <laughs> if you, he said, if you're using a machine, is it really handmade? And I said, yeah, well, you, 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 there's different ways to think about that. And so we went down a little rabbit hole talking about, you know, as the guy who runs a CMC machine, was there no effort for him to program the machine? You know, even though you just press the button and it spit something out, it's what everybody thinks. But um, you didn't just tell him the bridge builder story. No, what's that? No, never mind. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. We're, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got you. I got you. But uh, um, <laughs> like, you know, getting back to the to the to the tools used, I, gosh, I probably I own every type of knife known to man. Um, uh, uh, you're just constantly looking for something better, something easier, something different that you've not tried yet that you, you know, like maybe this will maybe I can do this process with this piece of equipment easier. And I, I think that's one of the cool things about. Um, having a hobby that turns into a business is like, obviously you're interested in it to start with. And so as your business grows, you, you get to buy cool tools, but there's an excuse for the cool tool. You know, it's not just (laughs) not a hobby anymore. It's like, I, I need that leather splitter, you know, and here's the reason why I need it. I need that flatbed machine. Here's the reason why I need it. You know, the machine that I saw on your Instagram that you're sewing your belts with, what, what machine is that? That is a Cobra class four harness machine. That's a, a cylinder arm machine that's got about uh, an inch of uh, clearance under the foot. So pretty much if you can stick it under the, the foot, it's going to poke a hole in it. Wow. It's not like a big, crazy Landis that'll sew through quarters and stuff, but it, it's it's way more than I need for the uh, just for example, like I'm sewing uh, the thread size I'm sewing on it, it will do double that. Wow! So I don't have That's a need for machine. that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty heavy duty, but you can't use that heavy duty machine for 
wallet interiors, you know, so you got to switch it up and you got to have a different machine or you do it by, you know, you hand stitch it. So I keep wanting to say you do it by hand, but I know you're going to bust me on something. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you roll and then I'll tell you later. (laughs) (laughs) So you'd mentioned three sewing machines. So like, is it just like, you know, uh, thin, medium, heavy duty. Is that kind of uh, yeah, the distinction? Kinda. Um, uh, okay. so, so you got, you got the, the, the big class four and, uh, mm-hmm. then I've got a, um, I've got a, an, an old singer, uh, that came out of a local upholstery shop. That's like from the forties. Mm. So that's oh, wow. kind of cool. It's got a little bit of history to it. Uh, uh-huh. that, that it's a flatbed machine, like a conventional machine. Like you would, if you think of a sewing machine, that's what you'd think of. Right. And I have a a post bed machine. So where the bobbin is usually on on the bed, a flat, Uh a post bed is elevated. So it's like seven inches on a post, seven inches tall. So you can manipulate Uh things around the post like hats or bags or cylinder objects or stuff like that. So I I got that machine last year, I think. And it's I'm still you know, it's, it can, it, it can cut up on me from time to time. And it's not the machine's fault. It's my fault. It's like, I'm, yeah, I've not mastered it yet. So. You had mentioned the die cuts. So you have someone else cut those for you and then you use those as your templates or kind of what's that process? Yeah. Um, I'll do, uh, like I said, if, if I get, uh, if I've done a, a, a certain thing so many times, Mm-hmm. I'll I'll make a pattern and send it to a die tool and die company and have a die made for it. And they that makes sense. They they come back with exactly what I send them. So uh can't fuss about that. Are you using a clicker machine? Yeah. Yeah. I've got oh, okay. I've, I've got a uh I've got a manual, a weaver four ton manual clicker. And it's super handiest. It's kind of expensive for what it is. Uh um but it's mm-hmm. it's pretty handy. Yeah, uh, I use it to to stamp things with. Use it to click parts out with. Um, so it, it's not. It doesn't take up a whole lot of room. It's mounted to my my, my one of my longer work tables and kind of have things laid out uh, in it to flow. You know, in the uh, sanding, burnishing, clicking. You know, stages of things. So orders that you're getting now are going to be items that you're making next spring is that right you're kind of way working that way yeah uh like i said uh, i keep a backlog most of the time uh so if somebody makes an order where wherever mm-hmm. i'm at that's what i'll that's what i'll say oh okay. uh, for example like you know if, if i'm six months out i'll say this could take up six months before this happens. And if the person doesn't want to wait that long, I, I, you know, I wish they would, but, um, you know, I understand. So, and, and sometimes that discourages people, but I think most people understand, you know, there is a a handmade aspect to this and it's not Amazon. So you, you got to get in line. So. And so, is uh, the, the backlog is that on custom stuff or is that on that? That is that. That's what I'll. That's a general quote for where I'm at. Now, what I was what I was going to say was like, say, gunslings are my most prevalent mm-hmm. item. Uh, I try to do. I try to do at least ten a week. So, a person who ordered one last week 
could be fortunate and get get it quick because I do those slings once a week. Um, a, a person who ordered a custom wax canvas duffel that I hadn't took the time to stop and make it and have a special day of doing mm-hmm. that duffel. He's been waiting a while. So I, it's, <laughs> I struggle that with that sense. a lot. It's, it's, it, it works for me to batch things in, in, oh, in the yeah. shop. Um, yeah. But I, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm sliding certain people or certain customers because it's like, Oh, I've not got to you yet, but this, this person just ordered theirs two weeks ago and they've already got it. Or they ordered a gunsling and a knife sheath, and I've got the gunsling done, and you still got to wait two months till I get to the knife sheath. Does it? I don't. Yeah. I, y'all, does that make sense? I know it makes sense to y'all, but oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, we don't talk just, to our listeners, so I really don't care if it makes sense to them. <laughs> <laughs> but we are a podcast that likes to go down into projects, and the gunsling seems like a good one that we could maybe take a deeper dive in. So. What is the process to make a gunsling and, and what makes a gunsling different from a belt? Uh, you know, just what's the way that you go through to make your style gunslings? Uh, well, the, the gunsling, you know, is, is, is um, essentially two straps with a buckle and uh, the attachments, uh, the sling swivels to go on the, the long gun that it's going on and uh, a shoulder strap. So, so, you know, I start out and strip you know, strip, start out with a full hide, uh, that's, uh, you know, 20, 20 plus square feet and, uh, establish a straight edge on it and then start stripping out one inch strips or however wide it is. And in, in, in the case of the shoulder strap slings is the strap is one inch and the, the, the shoulder pad is two inches. So, mm-hmm. The shoulder pad part is a die cut part, so it gets clicked out. Then, if it's uh, if it has an inlay in it, you gotta you gotta put the inlay in it. It has to be sewn in, um, glued in, sewn in, and then the backside has to be of the shoulder pad has to be sewn to the front side. The the uh, the actual um, straps there. The way I make most of them is five, six ounce leather that's that's doubled. So it has to be stitched. And then uh, then all the appropriate holes have to be punched. And uh, then you have to uh, edge it and then you got to burnish it. So that burnishing, I got I want nothing to do with that. But what are some of the customizations you do on these gunslings? Uh, I. Now, like my most custom gunsling, I call, is my is my lasered thumb hole sling. That's a and, good one, and that is whatever you want it to be if it'll fit on the on the space that that we've got to work with. Uh, so uh, those are laser cut and uh, and have an inlay under them that could be um, camo material, could be a contrasting leather, could be some kind of exotic, and uh, they're they're quite a bit more intricate than my regular sling style is uh, a lot more handwork. Uh, all the, uh, like if you have your name in it or uh, initials or whatever, or, you know, um, uh, popular style is uh, a Turkey foot on either side of initials. All that has to be stitched around the, uh, 
the lettering and the uh, any characters that are on it, and it just takes a while to do it. When you're doing those, the, like the initials and the turkey foot, is that getting cut out by the laser? Or are you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, cool. it gets cut out by the laser, and then I have to go back in and 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 uh, uh, shore it up. I guess you could say I have to clean it up a bit, and uh, uh, a lot of that depends on the type of leather that you're cutting on your laser. Like I try to stick to veg tan solely because it it doesn't have all the 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 chromium, chromium. and bad stuff in it mm-hmm. that chrome tan leather has uh um and it cuts better uh it's funny I, I have a 60 watt laser and uh you know like a veg tan um 13 14 ounce it'll cut it and it won't cut like four ounce chrome tan Mm. it leaves a, a sooty mess on the chrome tan stuff and it's it's not my favorite smell either i i don't like <laughs> to do it at all really well we've got a section of the podcast we like to call this or that where we give our guests a few different options and see which one they prefer the best and knowing you were a sneakerhead, i wanted to know i know you've got a lot of l's when it comes to the sneaker draws mm. so if, if you had to get one w would you prefer it be on a pair of jordans and if so a lower or a high or maybe some really rare new balance made in the USA model. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, uh, I, I think I would go with the uh, upcoming release. There's uh, the twos, uh, the OG twos are coming back out and I want those. Uh, that, that would be a W I'd like to get. I've got, I've got several pairs of, uh, made in us and made in uk uh new balance and they're great shoes but uh i, I want those tubes so that's what i'd of, say i had a pair of made in the us that turned into my shop shoes once they got dirty and those darn things lasted two years i mean and only got rid of them because i got tired of wearing the same shoe it was a, a good look <laughs> yeah um, and that that happens that happens a lot I, i've i've got a, a a decent collection my son i i use him as a as a prop uh to boost my collection <laughs> um but uh I, I just find it humorous you know that uh, uh i've got some good stuff and uh I, and stay strapped with some crocs all the time yeah I, <laughs> that's I, I have all these shoes and i wear the same new balance 70 all the time but i've been striking out on the tom Sachs uh nike crafted but yeah, if, if you, I get, are you are you after those yellow ones? When yeah, they man, drop? I missed them the last time, and they they drop again at the end of the month. They dropped on yeah. his website at the first of the month. They drop on Nike at the end. I'm gonna try to get them. And Christine so Austin are shaking their heads at us. That's so <laughs> I don't even know you're saying. Yeah. Or, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm listening to Charlie Brown's teacher here. Uh, I don't understand a word you guys are right, saying, so but that's okay. Two I'm more, okay. Two more. Um, <laughs> You know, you said you had three sewing machines, and that's something. If you listen to the podcast, I've been wanting to get a leather sewing machine. So, if you had to pick a machine for someone to start off with, what's your recommendation for the the first leather sewing machine you need? Uh, I would say uh, go ahead and suck it up and get a cylinder arm machine. Cylinder arm machine. It's a big expense. Uh, uh, the Cobra Class Four uh, can't go wrong with that there's 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 more expensive machines uh but it, it's it's a it's a good all-arounder um cobra has a uh a class 26 cylinder arm machine that's a smaller machine that 
would be a good uh, starter machine uh, just due to its versatility. When I, when I say starter, that, I, I, I don't want to imply that it's it's lesser. Um, but uh, uh, I think if you start out with a with a heavy duty flatbed machine, you're you're already you're limited with what you can do with it. That's good like advice. like a, yeah, a cylinder arm machine, you can put a bed on it if you need to have the flat bed. Uh, flatbed, you can't take it off. It's, it's yeah, and you can't manipulate things around it. So that would be my advice as somebody who struggled with the same thing. I think anybody who's in the market for a sewing machine. We've all seen the same websites. We've all got the same information and we all end up at the same spots. Like I don't need a $5,000 toy. Well, if you're, if you're speak a hobbyist, for yourself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to the king of the $5,000 toys. Yeah. Well, so, I got one more. I never thought in my life I'd hear a redneck from Appalachia say he wanted a Panerai watch. So of all the watch bands you've made, which one's been your favorite pairing? Oh, uh, I got, uh, I got a, uh, I had a friend went to visit a friend in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And we went, this was years ago, uh, 13 or 14 years ago, we went to a local cobbler shop to pick up a pair of shoes that he had had resold while I was there. So obviously I spazzed out and went directly to the back of the shop and started beating around and seeing what all the, the equipment and the tools and stuff. And the guy had, uh, he, he made saddles and, and dabbled in uh, boot making and he had some leather and uh, some scraps and, I said, I asked him if I could have a piece of it. And he said, sure. You know, so I picked me out a couple of little pieces and I made a strap for a uh, Panerai that I had at the time uh, and uh, still have the strap. Don't have the watch, but uh, um, that was, that was my favorite. Uh, I think that was for a one, a Panerai 177 and it was a tan some kind of tan leather that was it was just perfect the the thickness of it the 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 hand of the leather um uh i you know obviously hand stitched it uh um that was my favorite pair yeah those yeah. big beefy watches i bet it looked good on a big beefy strap it did i, I was i was uh I actually got complimented on that strap and, and, and somebody didn't believe me that I had hand stitched it. They thought it was machine stitched. So that was flattering also. I was hoping Dean was going to say a big beefy watch on a big beefy man. That's what I was hoping he was going with. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anytime we get a, a leather worker on, I have to ask this question. What is the weirdest thing that somebody has asked you to make that you either accepted or turned down? Mm. I, I don't get I don't get any any super kink crazy stuff. You know, uh, um, I never have had a request for a ball gag or anything like that. But uh, yeah, they're ordering harnesses, <laughs> and he's like a turkey. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm using it for. Turkeys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like that thumb hole strap. I need that yeah. one. I thought <laughs> a thumb hole. Uh, extra large, please. Extra large thumb. I thought you guys were cutting trees down. I don't know what's going on over here. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, that I've uh, – nothing comes to mind that's just, like, ridiculous. All right. Well, I'll see what I can come up with tonight and send it to you. 
we got one question that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast and it's our three tools question. So if you were going to start your workshop from scratch again, and you were going to buy your first three tools that you would buy, um, what would those be? Um, a knife, some, uh, uh something, uh, 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 not really a specific knife. It could be just something sharp, you know? Um, yeah. So let me stop you for a second. Are you a head knife guy or are you like a, no, no. I don't, yeah. I, I, they, uh, they freak me out. I've got they, them, uh, but they, they, they just, I just don't, I don't know. Like I, I keep a super messy table and I'm like, I'm literally sitting here on my main workbench right now. And there's, there's just tools everywhere. And like, I don't want to reach over <laughs> there and grab one of those things by mistake. Um, I've, I've cut myself more on my head knife than leather I've cut with it. Yeah. Like, like, a, like this is a, a Banzel Croft customs. It's a, fr- it's a titanium frame with whatever kind of, you know, scales. You or something. Th- this is, this is a vintage micarta. You know, you just put a standard blade in it. Yeah. And I use, I use these a lot. Um, and that just uh, it's comfortable and it works well. Um, I just got this, this, um, uh, what's it called? Laying dispensable is, um, and got it for like fine work. It's, it's, uh, this handle is, is, um, brass. And then it has a charter made D2 blade in it. That's, you know, custom again. And, um, that's so I can, you know, get, get in to some more detailed places where, um, I I couldn't, uh, I couldn't cut like I wanted to then, you know, like this is, that's, uh, uh, Fetica, uh, some kind of little Japanese papers, blue paper, steel, super whammy, something or another. So how many yeah. boxes of uh, band-aids do you have in your workshop? I, I, I think I, I would need like yeah, I, lots of band-aids. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're right over here. I keep them pretty handy. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, a sharp tool is a good tool. So you uh, yeah. can't fuss about that. And I, I, in doing leather work, I have come to that realization, you know, uh, the, the sharper you can keep your tools, the better off you are. So, uh, you know, I, I keep a, strop handy all the time and um if you maintain them and don't beat them up too bad and use them how they're supposed to be they'll they'll serve you well most of the time all right so what's number two uh, first answer was 75 knives so what's yes. number two? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh work surface you gotta have a you gotta have a good table um uh, handling hides, you know, some, the, the, the 13, 14 ounce, uh, uh, hides that are 20 plus square feet are heavy and, uh, manhandling those things on the floor and ruining your blades on the floor, cutting against it. It just doesn't work. So I would want a good shop table with some type of dedicated cutting surface on it. Uh, uh, my, my main tables, uh, uh, four by eight with uh, like the the white stuff that like you see at a butcher shop, like HPPE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's got two layers of that on it. So you know, once you eventually wear through it, you can flip it over. Like I, I'll never wear this table out. 
but it, it, awesome. it's great. Uh, and then uh, third, third would be. Um, uh, hold on a second, my battery's running out. <laughs> so, third tool as an extension cord, so you don't run out of battery. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Third tool would be, let's see, I said knives, a work table. I would say in my, a straight edge, a ruler. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Are yeah. you a fan of the corked back or, or just any? Um, I like a good cork back. Yep. <laughs> but I, I mean, I've got them, I've got those all over the place, you know, like uh, one foot, two foot, three five you know whatever right i feel like leather workers are are, are twin brothers to uh metal work like machinist because we have equal amounts of tools like it's 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 a tool game we, you buy a lot of stuff all right man well this has been great i think we learned a lot and if you can maybe just tell everybody where they can find you uh, they uh mainly on Instagram and Facebook. I do have a website. Uh it's moonshineleatherworks.com or dot net. Uh my website is under construction and has been for two years. Uh <laughs> so, <laughs> so See, I, I went mean, on there and it said private, and I was like, Oh, this must be his OnlyFans page. This is where the kinks are going. Yeah, this is where the kinks are going. Yeah. So that's that's where All that, the butt stocks and cheek pads and <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's why you sent me 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, so that's, that that's, lift. that's, <laughs> that's on the to-do list is to at least get uh, a gallery up and, uh, you know, yeah. frequ frequently asked questions and stuff. So that would, that's another thing where I, I kick my own butt. I could help myself by spending a day, uh, and getting that sorted out. Uh, so that's to do, but uh, uh, mainly on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. And, you know, when I post it cross post. So yeah, I try to put up every pretty much every, everything. I try to post something every day. Um, so if you're if you're if you're seeing it there, you're you're seeing current stuff, you know, so you know what's up in the shop. So. Right, Christy, I do actually make all of this stuff. <laughs> well, that's, I am very happy to know that. <laughs> no, I've been enjoying like where you're showing a little yeah. bit more behind the scenes too. It's cool. A great worldview of your business and, and lifestyle. And I appreciate you coming on, man. Well, yeah. thank y'all. I appreciate y'all as well. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night, man. All right. Y'all do the same. All right. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. All right, tonight we want to take a second and thank our patrons and they get the extra special, uh, I guess really our fourth quarter over on Patreon, which usually is some random subject that Austin comes up with, which he's really proud of. And Dean and I look at each other like he's totally lost his mind, but for some reason we do actually talk about it. So on our top tier, we got Matthew from Artigino Sorio, Marion Ward from Creative Ward Gallery, Justin from Bear Maked, Scott Oram from Dead It Yourself, Marcel Este, and Vincent Ferrari from Handmade by Vincent Ferrari. And then in our middle tier, we've got Susan DePlantis from Hearth and Garden Art, Tony Langer from Langerworks, and Brendan McDonough from McDonough Design. And then our first tier, we've got uh, Jacob from Other Dog Design, Eric from Overall Makerworks, Dave Bauer from Dave Bauer Art, Morley Kurt, The Grant Alexander, 
Brian from Moonshine Leatherworks, Jacob from Griffin, Griffin Makes, um, Keith Drennan from Blackthorn Concepts, Jeff Stein, a weird guy, Caitlin Landerno from Kate's Casina, Greg over at Platte Valley Woodworks, and Jen Griffin, the Black Sheep. And it's just a complete coincidence that 75% of our patrons have been guests on the podcast. So if you're, <laughs> if you're wondering why you haven't been asked to be on the podcast, and if you haven't, you know, you haven't participated in the Patreon fundraising, I'm not saying there's a coincidence, but there might be a coincidence. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> Plus, we really appreciate those people that do that. We that do. Helps us do st- yeah, we need guests. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Speaking of do stuff, I just want to bring up again the making our way swap hashtag mouse swap M O W. No, mouse swap. Mo swap. <laughs> you say mouse swap, I say mo swap, you know, tomato, tomato. Hashtag M O W S W A P is our Christmas ornament swap. I worked on mine a little bit this weekend. I know Emmett's worked on his. Uh, I saw Chris from Route 9 Designs is working on his. So, I mean, that's a true artist who really puts out some amazing pieces. If you want a chance to, you know, maybe get lucky and get his swap, um, you have to participate to receive. Um, You can listen to previous episodes to get the full details, but I just wanted to bring up uh, the hashtag M-O-W-S-W-A-P is in full effect. This weekend, I was cleaning up the guest room because we were having somebody come stay. and, And part of that was picking up all these shoes and it's just a lot and i said you know what? i'm gonna grab the ipad and i'm gonna watch the season finale of game of thrones again because i remember watching it being just disappointed and i was rem- thinking about it while i was watching i was like this really isn't that bad i watched the last three episodes i'm like it's not really that bad i mean did it feel rushed maybe but they put a nice bow there were dragons there were people dying there was crazy stuff it really wasn't that bad at television as recalling how upset everybody was when it came out. And then I was thinking about all the shows, you know, the way that um, good, what was the mob Sopranos ended? Everybody yeah. was pissed off about that. And the way Seinfeld, Seinfeld ended, yeah. everybody was pissed off about that. Oh, I like that. And so that was Sunday. And then Monday I was listening to clamp and I was actually listening to the two episodes ago, the Brian house episode and Grant and Adam had made a comment about that. They, a lot of times they enjoy the process but when they get to the end, they don't like it as much. Like they, they feel let down or whatever. And I said, that's the same thing. Like you enjoyed the journey of the show. Think about how many movies you watch or series you watch where you couldn't wait for that next installment to come out. But then it ultimately lets you down, not because it didn't satisfy what you were looking for, but because it meant there was no more journey. The journey right. was over. And it got me thinking about projects that I've had in the shop or like Christie's got this shop build project. That's just been this huge burdensome, stressful situation. But now that the finish line's here, you probably look back and you miss some of those milestones. I mean, you really appreciate the wins that come from the stress and the turmoil and the unknown and, and the fight. And then you get to the finish line and, and you look around and it's, so I just thought we could maybe talk about some of the projects or, or things we've had in our lives that, the journey was just so amazing. And when we got to the end, we really missed the journey compared to what it was like saying at the finish line. Well, honestly, build process has been like going through having a baby. I'm not joking either because you get pregnant and you're so excited for this process to bring a child into the world. 
you're going to plan building a, 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 a shop and it's so exciting. Then you start with the morning sickness and the putting on weight and the stretch marks this is and weird. the headache. And, <laughs> but then on the shop side, your back's hurting and you're tired and you're cranky and you end up in the, in the emergency room. And you're like, how did Just, I get all this extra lumber? Like, what am I doing with all this extra plywood weight? Yeah, and you're spending money in both cases. I mean, you know, it it is a journey that is just it is harder and more involved, at least for me, who had no idea what I was getting into than anything I could have imagined. But by the time you get to the end and whether you're going to actually deliver a baby or finish that process, in both cases, you forget the rough parts of the journey. Because if you remembered all of the, the bad times and the actual delivering of having a baby, there would be no family that had more than one child because you would never go through that again. And I think that's kind of like with building a shop. Now, in hindsight, it's like, that was really fun. We really had a great time. Yeah, I you don't always remember. hear people go, I wish we had another baby. And then they have it. They're like, <laughs> I just want to sleep. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That that has been the shop build for me. You know, these bags were similar. <laughs> I know thing. I'm nowhere near as laborious as what you were going through. Uh, you know, mine was kind of, you know, maybe a, I don't know. Mine wasn't that bad, but there was something exciting about ordering the material, coming up with the design, processing yeah. all the raw material, you know, cutting it all down, running the sewing machine all hours of the night, the threat of Am I capable enough to put out a quality enough product in a timely fashion to where this is not, I should have just bought $15 bags off of Amazon and had them delivered and not do all this extra work. And then at the end, I was like, this was very fulfilling. But what I'm left mm -hmm. with is a box of, you know, marginally decent bags that I probably could have done much better just buying them off Amazon. But I really enjoyed no. the process of making them. You know, I really, I enjoyed that process much more than what, um, you know, it, they're, they're neat, but I don't need 30 bags. You know, I got bags all over the damn place right now, uh, but I did enjoy having that sewing machine running and just pumping out these materials. The other one I was thinking about is like smoking a brisket. You know, there's something mm. about like going to the store, picking out the perfect vacuum pack, uh, bringing it home, getting your rub figured out, getting the marinade, letting it sit up overnight calling all your buddies, who's going to, who are you going to bring some to, who are you going to drop some off to smoking all day while you're drinking beer, you know, the stress of, is it drying out? Is it, is it cooking fast enough? Where's my temperature at watching the, the gauge on the thermometer, you know, watching your little bar graph and am, am I cooking it too quick and then pulling it out? Or, or, you know, are you going to spritz it with anything? When do you pull it to wrap with paper? When do you put it back on? You know, did I get enough bark on it? I got to put it in the ice chest to rest. And then you go to eat and you eat one plate. And there's 15 pounds of meat back here that you spent a day cooking. <laughs> that was a lot of fun to do. And you eat one plate of meat and you're like, okay. I mean, I could have went down the street to the barbecue place and spent $18 and cut out the last eight hours. But it wasn't the brisket that was enjoyable. It was the, the eight hours. Yeah, it's a process a lot of times. I think I'm different than, <laughs> than everybody else. Like I don't enjoy most of the time the process. Um, I, I enjoy like the planning part and the buying mm -hmm. material part. Yeah, me too. And then 
I could totally like the process is just the the hard part to get to that. And then I enjoy when it's over. So I think I'm opposite of you guys. I don't know. I, well, I don't or go ahead. No, I, just, I, I don't think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I just zone, like when I'm in the middle of something, I'm just zoned out going. I, I don't I don't know. I don't take the I don't smell the roses. You know, I'm like, let's get this done. And I don't know. I just have like a different mindset i don't know i guess i do look back at stuff like that was a cool build you know um but normally if i have one that's like everything goes wrong i don't look back like oh that was a cool build i'm like oh i'm glad that's over (laughs) so you don't think you don't think you'll look back at the lessons learned from making the tomahawks uh in, in a different hindsight you know less stressful and appreciate the ones that broke that challenged you to figure out new ways no, to I, like, I like it when i ace it on the first try like i don't oh me too i don't yeah. want to keep trying different versions of it yeah i'm with you there yeah especially if it's something i spent a lot like when i broke the first handle on the tomahawk i was like oh no like okay it was probably just because i because i used walnut because i wanted it to look cool you know and i was like well let's just go shape a hickory handle so i shaped a hickory handle the first throw it snapped. I was like, Oh Oh. no, like it was just a disaster. And then my dad, I'm like, dad, throw yours. He threw his boom. First throw snaps the handle. And I was like, we have, I went straight into like, we have a massive problem in three weeks. We have 20 people coming to make these things and they're going to throw them at the target and snap immediately. And they're not going to have time to fix them before they leave. Like that was like, super stress inducing for me. Cause I want everybody, I know everybody's like, Oh, it's no big deal. Everybody's going to have a good time, blah, blah, blah. I don't want, I want, I don't want any downsides, right? I'm trying to eliminate variables of potential disasters. So that was super stressful for me that day. And then I went into like, okay, let's, I'm going to take everybody's opinion of what they think is going on. And I'm going to change all those variables. And hopefully one of them is the ticket. And, and so far I did it and all of the handles are staying, staying good now. So and that was with a bigger eye drifting a bigger eye, Drif- drifting the eye bigger using a carbide burr to take off any sharp edges anywhere near the eye. Oh. Cause it said it's creating like a stress riser. Um, and then shortening up the handles by two inches. Cause now, they're saying I can see that being a big a deal. Lot of leverage. Yeah, Short yeah handle, and then a piece is. of rebar down the middle. We didn't do that, <laughs> but that was <laughs> like for sure. The next thing I was thinking was like wrapping in fiberglass. Gonna, yeah, something like let's just put plastic handles inside. <laughs> <laughs> what is a show that you remember watching? A movie or a show or a series? I know Austin, you're very you're well read, so maybe books you've read that right. uh, when it finished, you were just like, man, what a letdown. And I challenge you after we name it, go back and check it out again and see if it was still such a letdown. Anything come to mind for you? All? The first time that I watched Groundhog Day, the movie with, with Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Okay. I yeah. thought it was terrible. Absolutely a terrible movie. And then like, and then I didn't, so I watched it in the theaters and then when it came out later, you know, years later on TV, I would just catch like little clips and I was like, Oh, that was actually pretty, you know, that little clip was pretty funny. And then, and then I, and then I, and so anytime I, I happen to scroll across it on TV, I would watch it again. And now it's become one of my favorite movies. Mm. And I think it's hilarious, but it just like my first pass on it. Didn't. 
a lot of those 80s comedians, you know, him, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, they had a weird sense of humor that if, right. if you yeah. weren't dialed into what was going on, yeah, I could see it just being like, what? Huh? What? What's so funny about this? He learned to play the piano. Big deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I think for me, uh, the show Lost. I don't know if you guys oh, watched yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. The- yeah. I loved that show, the premise of that show, because it's normal people in an abnormal situation. How are they dealing with it? And I, I mean, I hit, that was the days before uh, DV, DVRs, if I remember correctly. I wasn't recording it. I made sure I was home every week whenever that was on. That was dedication. Kids nowadays, they don't know what that's like. But anyway, no. I, we, we watched it all. I watched it every episode. But then it's like they totally jumped the shark. And I was just like, okay, when they started doing that time travel stuff, I was like, no, now we're getting, we're totally in left field compared to where we started. There were so many different opportunities and they just, they weren't even giving us any answers. And then the end of it, where they're just sitting in a church, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. That's how we ended it. I was totally disappointed. That was one of those shows that they just made so much money that they were way far ahead of themselves. I I don't think it was supposed to go more than a season originally. And I know characters like Matthew Fox, he was supposed to die in the first episode, but he was, he was so popular with the, you know, preview audiences that they were like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. you got to keep this guy in. And so, uh, yeah, I think they definitely got ahead of themselves and they just didn't even know what they're writing about. That happens sometimes like, yeah, they bring in new writers and, these writers didn't are like with you know the last Star Wars movies. You bring in a new writer director, and and he wants to go a different direction than the original one, and then they bring the original guy back, and so he tries to go drastically back the other way. I don't know, you know. There's a lot of shows like on all the a lot of these shows that are coming out on Disney right now. You know the the Mandalorian I enjoyed, but the Boba Fett one I'm I'm like eh, whatever. Uh, and there's some I don't even finish, and you know, I make it halfway through and it, they just don't grab me. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I just really enjoyed. And then in the end, I was just like, what was that about? Man, it's my own the question. Dead was like that for me. Like, Oh yeah. I a loved lot of the it. seasons. Then it was all of a sudden, like it, and same kind of thing. Like they started going really weird. I'm like, all right guys, I'm, I'm off. Like I can't, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, I hate those that are, like I'll, it's a lot of shows that a lot of people like. I, I hate when they just stay depressing. <laughs> like there's, they never yeah. get a win. I'm like, we got to get some wins, you know. Like for me to hang in here and just keep watching. Like I live uh, my normal life, you know, all day long. I don't want to see people suffering. <laughs> like I want to, I want to see some wins, you know. And so the, I, I, they always lose me when they like Sons of Anarchy. I watched a bunch <gasps> of that, and it was just <sighs> like. Love that. God, it was just, but the end was brutal, man. Just like, but it was the right ending for a show. I get it, but I'm, I want to, you know, I want the Disney, you know, no, rap. that's what if, I, got, I, you know, I saw it coming in the last two episodes. I, I watched them. I was watching, I mean, I was binging at hardcore and it was Saturday night and I watched the second to the last episode. And then it was so late. I was going to end up watching the very last episode, like one o'clock in the morning. And I think even the mozzies know that on, on zoom, I am not a late night person. So I'm like, Nope, I'm going to get up early Saturday, Sunday morning. 
And so I rewatched the second to the last episode and the last episode, and I bawled my eyes out those two episodes to where my kids came downstairs from upstairs and they're like, what is going on down here? Because I, it tore me up, but I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Who is your favorite character on that show? The dad. I can't think of his name. Uh, Ron Perlman? Yes. Oh, really? The Sons of Anarchy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hellboy. It always cracks me up that Jax Teller's like We can like get English. into those details in Patreon or something. I don't think that's in a regular context here to talk Just about. Just to wrap up, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Dave Swaduck, who was uh, episode 54 uh, on the podcast, you know, he's got that podcast empire. But one of them mm-hmm. that's kind of outside his direct deal is ListWise. He does with two friends. And I think their last episode was shows that jumped the shark. And I never watched The Walking Dead. And they said the same thing that you said, though, Austin, that it just got so mm-hmm. ridiculous. And they were just struggling to keep this thing alive because it was such a cash cow and the viewership right. dropped off. And, you know, it happens sometimes, you know, sometimes. Right. We, we're excited about what's going on in the people's lives, the now. And when they get to the end, I'm just like, ah, well, I wish some of them would have died. Actually, you know what? The last Jurassic Park, <laughs> the last Jurassic Park movie. I'm like, some of these people should have died. You, know, you didn't need to keep you didn't need to keep all these people alive. Some of these people definitely should. Like, look, Doc, you've been to the island six times. There's no way you're still alive. You know, <laughs> you went to grab that hat and a dinosaur got you. That That's how that happens. I think with The Walking Dead, it seemed like they just kept feeling the need to to go next level worst case killing off a main character it was like it was almost like a competition who could be killed off most gruesome unrealistic brutal way and uh, yeah when they brought on um who what was the bad guy's name that the, Negan Negan I I loved his character like I was like, oh, this yeah. guy is, I mean, to I don't know what it was about him, but like the most likable, awful guy. It's like uh-huh. such a weird mix too, you know? Yes. And I was and like, he played him so well. I don't think you could have got anybody to play th- that character better than him. Right. Right. And uh, I remember so, so Camden all the time walks around here saying easy peasy lemon squeezy. And every time he says it, it just reminds me of him walking around with a bat. Like, you know, of course he's never seen that movie or anything, but right. my mom is so old school. She actually still says that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he always walks around saying like 1930s sayings. Cause my mom, <laughs> your mom wasn't born in the thirties. I know, but she's from Texas. You know, how, Oh, you know, they're just yeah. backwards in general. Real funny, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. If you like this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. Austin is at a high caliber craftsman. Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. And I'm at Twisted Twine Woodworking. Thanks again, friends. Thanks.